HHW Show podcast returns January 5th with the new season, Road to the Royal Rumble. Hector, Frank, Jason, Ovi will be on the set with the latest news and takeaways. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and you can listen wherever you listen to your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Podcast. I'm your host, Big Jason, joined as always by my man, Jared Jones and Joe Aguirre. And we got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to recap last week's fights, obviously preview tonight's fights. But we also got a lot of current events, uh, more talking about one Paul brother. And this week, today, we are going to do the fight, I mean, the the Throwing Jabs Awards for 2020. But now, let's dive in to the recap. Starting off, Charles Oliveira earns himself a spot in the UFC lightweight title picture over a unanimous decision win, dominant win over Tony Ferguson. Jared, you called it. What did you think of the fight, and how well do you think Charles Oliveira matches up with the top notch, the the top of the lightweight division in the UFC? I I don't think he does. I don't think he matches up well at all. This is a product of the time that he caught Tony Ferguson at. I think he deserves every bit of it. With a winning streak like that, fighting at the top of the game for this long, absolutely deserves whatever they give him. High up as he can go, up to and including a title shot. And uh, Ferguson's his, his best is, is behind him. This is uh, the only thing I was wrong about was this being a close fight. Uh, besides that, we saw a shot fighter who got the fight beaten out of him in the last fight. All right. Yeah. Do you see the same way, Joe? Uh, yeah. Uh, look, Oliver earned a convincing win. Jared and I talked a couple of days ago about it. I was very surprised by that. I'm not sure how much of this was Oliveira's skill and how much of this was Tony just being shot. Of course, Oliveira should be in line for a title shot. But again, all the loss that this guy sustained, in my opinion, he uh, internally quits. And I don't know how that would stand up against someone like Poirier or Connor or Gaethje or, God forbid, if Khabib. Um, but, but look, Oliveira looked phenomenal. I won't take anything away from him. It really looks like uh, Tony's no longer El Kakui. He should probably hang him up. I mean, at 36 years old, coming off not just two losses, but two devastating, vicious beatings. Ass whoopings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But only time will tell uh, whether Oliveira can hang with the big boys. Right now, I don't see it. I don't think you can look at who these guys have been through their career and feel like that we saw the best of both guys out there. I think no. one of them's on a slight upswing and one of them's on a downward spiral. And uh, that's just where they caught each other. But Oliver, like I said, he keeps winning. You have to give him those shots because he keeps winning fights. Well, you see big improvement in the striking. You know, he's definitely uh, he's a better fighter than he was. I will give him that. And, and I'd be curious to see him go toe-to-toe with one of the big guys. Maybe he's gotten better. Maybe he's a better fighter. Maybe the striking will will help. Like. I I don't know. I've always liked Oliver. Don't get me wrong. I really do like him. I just never felt like he was one of the best guys. But you it, guys, you guys both thought he was going to get savaged in this fight. Oh yeah, I thought Ferguson was going to come out with something to prove and and get this. And I mean. I wish we would have seen the real Tony Ferguson because then I could tell you right now whether Oliveira has a shot with anybody. No, yeah, I, I think it's funny. I after this fight, I go and I'm scrolling through Instagram, and there's a picture from ESPN MMA. There's a little video of when Khabib announces his retirement, and it, it's a video of Tony Ferguson's reaction, him cussing and him screaming and him getting upset. And Tony and Khabib was Tony Ferguson's white whale. And then once Gaethje, once he loses to Gaethje, 
And then once Khabib retires, I, he, I, I, I hate to admit it because I love El Kukui, but he, he just does I don't know if he has the, that drive, that same drive. He doesn't have that same, like, push to go to get to the top. He, does, he doesn't have anything race. to go. That Thank white way lost his white whale. That was deep, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have the same motivation. I had never yeah. considered that, that without Khabib there, he didn't have that. But I know Khabib would smash this Tony Ferguson. So maybe. Good luck out there, whatever you do next. But, uh, and also, Oliveira, while he, this was like clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, while Oliveira, like, this wasn't necessarily his best performance, and he hasn't looked all that great. I, he, I, the thing with him is he is bringing on the striking, so that is another weapon in his arsenal. But also, whenever he goes up against anyone, like, you saw it here. He had Tony in that arm bar. He is a submission artist. He can beat anyone on any given night. He can make you tap. He can put you to sleep. He can break your bones. So I, I think he's a scary guy to look at in the top, in the upper echelon. Do I think he will outclass anyone up there? No, he'll get outclassed, but he still does have that submission pedigree where he can steal one from someone where he shouldn't have. But uh, now let's talk about the main event. Davison, Figueredo, and Brandon Moreno, fight of the year candidate. Ended in a majority draw. We'll get to fight of the year later on. But it ended in a majority draw, 47-47, 47-47, and then 48-46. One judge gave it to Figueredo. But this was a great, great fight. What would you think of it, Jared? Uh, yeah, great fight. I had it uh, I had it 48-46, Figueredo. Um, and, one of the, and, and I saw how it could have been 47-47. I could see the draw, but the draw does not come with Marino winning the fifth round. I would challenge any fight fan to sit and watch that round with me and tell me that Brandon Moreno won the fifth round because he didn't. One of the judges gave him the fifth round. That's how we ended up with a draw. And if you, you take that silly score out that fifth round out and take that score that score away this was four one four one three two unanimous without the uh without the low blow so you have one shot round for one judge and we end up with a majority draw where most people thought one guy won four rounds and the other guy won one round great fight i've taken nothing away from marino but this was uh, this was a Figueredo win. It's unfortunate to see him come away with from this with a blemish on his record as well as he did in the fight. Is what I'm trying to say, based on a, a point deduction. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I saw it the same way. Moreno didn't win. Figueredo basically did this to himself. I mean, he snatched a draw from the victor. The the I don't know how that expression yeah. goes, but you know what I mean. He had it. He blew it. I Look, I, I think this is a great fight. Uh, I've got it as a fight of the year candidate for sure. Uh, we'll talk about that, obviously, a little bit later on in this show. I'm looking forward to seeing this fight happen again, but I'll tell you what. I think with more time for Figueredo to prepare for Moreno um, and for him to maybe make weight a little easier this time around. I think he'll dispatch a Moreno in a rematch early in 2021 and then dominate the division for all the rest of the year. Although I will say this, Figueroa does have some issues as far as weigh-ins. Um, I don't know that he's going to stay at flyweight for very long. So good, good. This, this may be the rematch. Maybe the last time you see him as a flyweight, he might, he might be going up. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, the I, I think this was a kind of they both coming off less than a month to prepare for one another, and I think in an instance like that, it just favors the challenger because you know, as a challenger, you are eyeing the champion for so long because that's who where you want to be, and you already have a game plan. Even though you got to, you might have to take on some other opponents. You still have a game plan in the back of your head 
how you think you can beat the ch- champion. But for Figueredo, he's got all these different challengers. He, I, I don't necessarily think he was eyeing Brandon Moreno while he was preparing for Alex Perez, even though Moreno was the number one contender. But I so, agree with I agree with you, Joe and and uh, Phil, who just timed in. This is this is this is not going to be a draw. These guys rematch. Uh, it, yeah, uh, yeah. Figueredo will, will you give Figueredo a full camp? And not less than a month to prepare. I think he dominates, and he does what he's been doing, and just dismantling people. I think the short layoff came at a uh, benefit for Moreno, but next time around, I don't see it going that well. Yeah, and now do not don't forget, Moreno is the number one contender. Yeah, I mean, so so figure Figueredo uh, whoops that ass again, and now what? I mean, it might it might just make sense for him to move up anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't. If you're missing weight, that's what you should do. I can't stand when guys miss weight in boxing. We have weight classes every seven pounds. That's not a lot. You you're a little bit overweight, and it gives you a distinct advantage. Like we have those weight classes, so people don't have those advantages. Remember when Floyd came in overweight for Juan Manuel Marquez? You're fighting a guy two weight classes lower than you just because he knocked out Pacquiao and you miss weight by seven, eight pounds and just pay the fine and make 800 times that anyways and don't have to care. It's worth the advantage. It was worth the advantage. Risk and reward. You know, he made he made the sacrifice. It's not going to it's it's not a. I don't like that. It's the one thing I don't like about Figueredo is he can't seem to make weight. Move up or make weight. Period. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now let's move on to boxing as we had a big boxing, a big heavyweight bout. Not not necessarily big, but the participants were big. And Anthony Joshua knocked out Kubrat Pulev in the ninth round to retain his titles. Now, Jared, my question for you is after that performance last week, how does Joshua match up with Fury? Oh, man. I think Joshua's the better boxer and Fury's the tougher guy. So it's tough to say. But listen, this 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 fight was never close. And uh, nope. I, I loved watching it. I'm not really like a, yeah, kick his ass type of uh, fight watcher, you know? Kick his ass, she bash. That's not, that's not really how I watch fights. I don't get into that. I don't like this guy, Pulev. I don't like him. So when Joshua made him forcefully kiss the canvas, that was fun for me. And I don't, I don't, I don't like uh, enjoy watching other people's pain too often. I don't celebrate death. I'm really not one of those, one of those types. But uh, I didn't mind watching this guy get beat up. <laughs> well done, Joshua. Nice matchup, matchmakers. Uh, I thought Joshua looked really <laughs> impressive in his knockout here. The classic one-two left jab, right cross, uh, signature Joshua moves, the uppercuts, dropped him early in the fight with that. Uh, love the way this guy uses his jab. Uh, all fight, he kind of kept him at a distance uh, and frustrated him and then just started landing the bombs. Uh, Anthony's definitely over the, Ru- uh, the Ruiz loss. I think that's always going to be with him, but he's a grown-up. Uh, and unlike Dante Wilder, uh, he's clearly moved on. Unfortunately, Jared, I think that Fury is second to none when it comes to head games. I think he's going to throw Anthony Joshua off his game. He'll frustrate him in the ring with his massive size, with the awkward punches. How this fight happens, uh, there's some controversy about belts having to be dropped, yeah. guys having to step aside, whether it's Usyk or, or Wilder or whatever. But I think everybody wants to see these two fights. I think Joshua uh, and and Fury is the fight that everybody wants to see. I'm just – I'm not sure anybody's going – I mean, maybe somebody eventually takes Fury out, but I think this guy's riding hot right now. And uh, I'll tell you this, if, if – uh, if Joshua's looking for some help on how to beat Fury, he's not going to get it from Vladimir Klitschko because uh, Klitschko didn't have the answer to that one either. So who does? I don't know. And I think the question is um, with the, like the, the question I have will be about the leverage and the reach 
and the height. And if Ruiz can land those punches from down there that can take separate you from your consciousness, Fury can't from up there. I have trouble see, making a scenario where Joshua, I think Joshua probably gets knocked out in that fight. I think he's the better boxer and he stays away for a while. And sooner or later, that pressure gets to him and he breaks. No, yeah, I, I think Joshua. That are, the, that are the pool balls in his gloves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One way or another, he'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Joshua did learn from that Ruiz fight. Like prior to that fight, he would. He, he would get, like, knockout hungry, and he would go for it and then put himself in positions to where he took punches. And I think he learned from that first Ruiz fight, fought a lot more smarter, using his technical prowess, which he has. But I, I think Joe brings up a good point with Tyson Fury in the mental aspect. I think Tyson Fury will get in Joshua's head and then cause him to go back and look and get hungry for the knockout and put himself in positions where Fury will capitalize. And right now, yeah, I think at, at first when it was the big three, when it was Wilder, Joshua, and Fury, I thought it was rock, paper, scissors. I thought Fury beat Wilder, Wilder beat Joshua, and Joshua beat Fury. That's how I saw it. Now as the, the heavyweight title picture has cleaned itself up, I think Fury, and then there's everyone else. And Joshua's just a little bit above everyone else. But uh, now let's talk some current events, starting off with a after Yoel Romero gets let go by Bellator, I mean by UFC, and then Anthony Rumble Johnson gets let go by UFC. Bellator signs Rumble. And then Bellator signs Yoel Romero. Now, the talk of the town has been, will we see a Romero versus Johnson fight for in Bellator at light heavyweight? Jared? You're muted. If they do that, um, I hope they do one 10-minute round. Because historically, uh, the size these guys are here, they have been in some fights that I've been really excited about and ended up bored to tears. Um, the worst one was Kimbo Slice and uh, and who was the other? Dada. Dada Five Thousand. Yeah, yeah. Let's both get Let's both try to knock each other out and not be able to for about forty-five seconds or so. And then just be exhausted and lay on each other and kind of roll around. Nobody can stand up or throw a punch fast enough to connect. Just And um, these are obviously much better fighters than those two other guys. But this has the potential to be a snooze fest down the stretch. Remember, I said that if it happens. Okay. Do you know what I want for Christmas this year, Jace? Stop talking about Anthony. <laughs> I would love... No, this is serious. I would love for my wife and children to love me as much as you love Anthony Johnson. <laughs> That's all I want. And it'll be a good year. I mean, well, why do you ask for that when you can't give it back to them? Because you obviously love Gary Sanchez more than <laughs> Got him. Uh, don't tell me this wouldn't be a, a interesting fight, though. It would be. I'm kidding. Romero, obviously, in his career, did slightly better against the top guys than Johnson did. I think it would be a great fight. I'd love to watch these two uh, go at it. I'm like Jared, though. Give me one 10 minute round. Yeah, just the, just bang it out for a little bit. A round or two, yeah. But yeah, you know, this is a main event and goes five rounds. I don't, you know, I'll turn it off after two and a half because if it has two perennial yet, contenders. Two perennial contenders in like a downgraded promotion. I don't know. Tyson that, Roy. You know what I mean? I don't know that I would buy tickets for this. Yeah. I'm not nope. I'm not getting the pay-per-view if it happens. I'll yeah, watch yeah. it. I'll watch it the next day. Okay. Does that right. hurt? No, it doesn't. Okay. I, I get what you're saying. It was meant to. Okay. I, I mean <laughs> I, I like I don't love Anthony Johnson as much as 
You guys make it seem. But let's real big talking point from this past week. Jake Paul harasses Conor McGregor and his jujitsu partner, Dylan Dennis. Uh, I got some videos to play, so just sit back and uh, I don't know if you can enjoy. What the fuck is up, you Irish cunt? Good morning, Conor McGregor. I know you're probably beating up old dudes in a bar right now, or maybe you're jacking off because you're sick of fucking your wife. I mean, she's a four, Conor. You could do a lot better, but happy Monday. My team sent you a $50 million offer this morning. $50 million cash, proof of funds, the biggest fight offer you've ever been offered, but you're scared to fight me, Conor. You're ducking me because you don't want to lose to a fucking YouTuber. You're 0-1 as a boxer. I'm 2-0 as a boxer. I just came off the eighth biggest pay-per-view event in history. But you want to fight Dustin Prober, who has less followers on Instagram than my fucking dog. That's a fact. And Dana White, you're a fucking pussy too, you ugly fucking bald bitch. You said there's 0% chance of this fight happening, but there's 0% chance of you getting some fucking pussy. Connor, you're scared. Dana, you're scared. Sign the fucking contract, you idiots. Jesus fucking Christ. Irish bitch. Fuck these guys. Alright, now before we play the second video, I would also like to point out that Jake Paul on his Instagram after posting this unfollowed everyone but Conor McGregor's fiance. And then he went and did this. And look, it's Conor McGregor's bitch right there. Pussy. And then he went and followed Dylan Dennis's girlfriend after doing that. So my question to you guys is, we've talked a lot about Jake Paul and Conor McGregor, but Jared, is Jake Paul versus Dylan Dennis more of a competitive fight, and is that a fight we should see? Um, probably a more competitive fight than him and McGregor uh, as a boxing match. You know who knows. Um, some of this is entertaining, uh, hilarious, necessary. Um. And I fear what's happening here. I don't think I have the disdain, same disdain for it as you guys. But hey, for 15 years, I've been trying to institute scrub scraps. And while it does a lot of other things that are that are the goal for it, this is one of the byproducts of that program. Is that you end up with a place for this type of thing to happen. And if more people are going to watch this supply and demand. You have to know that if more people are going to watch, that's what they, you're not going to put a main event with Brud Crawford in it that less people want to see than Jake Paul and Conor McGregor. That becomes the main event because people want to see it. You don't want them to leave before the main event. So if it's the fight most people want to see, eighth pay-per-view all time, sideshow circus, we need to embrace that. Yes. Yes. Tony's right. We're going to get Connor versus Paul because the promoters aren't doing their jobs and letting these guys make their own fights. This is necessary and entertaining. And I know that's not the same take you guys are going to have if I let you get two words off about what you just saw. Necessary and entertaining are the best two words I come up with. You got two words, Joe? Yeah, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> yes! This kid's a, he's a tool. Listen, uh, my concern is biggest pay-per-view. I wonder how many of those were boxing fans and how many of those were just his YouTube subscribers that bought that it fight. It doesn't matter. A it dollar does. is a dollar it is does. a dollar. It does, but the dollars aren't going to boxing. The dollars are going to these guys. It's not doing anything for this. I don't think it's doing anything for the sport. I'm not sure if it is. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know if real boxing fans are buying these pay-per-views or not. There's something that uh, uh, an old rule in radio that you don't break format, that you don't play a song on your radio station that you wouldn't typically play. It breaks format. If somebody's watching or listens to your radio station for the first time and they hear hip hop and you're a classic rock station, I mean, you're doing it wrong. They think you're a hip hop station. They're maybe never coming back. I think if you're out there and, and you're offering this up to people, this isn't real boxing. Separated. A guy who's yeah. fought two uh, two boxing matches versus a guy who, law, who fought one is not a boxing match. 
in, in any you, way, shape, or form, is this a boxing match? I've and I'll tell you this. More. Clearly, Jake Paul's got a death wish. And, and I really do hope that Connor uh, gets a job with Make-A-Wish because what? I'd love to see it get granted. I really would. <laughs> oh, what damn. do you love? Here's a question for you, Jace. Now, because I think you're going to have a more similar take to Joe's than mine. Wouldn't you love to go back and see Katie Taylor and Bud Crawford at the level when they were at the level Jake Paul is at right now? We hit all those sparring sessions until these guys were phenoms. Wouldn't you like to see that beginning level and somebody rise up from Nate Robinson? To actually be ready to fight one, and not that not that it's going to happen that late in the game, but what I'm saying is, we need to televise the revolution. Sure, and Katie Taylor and Bud Crawford, they are Katie Taylor and Bud Crawford. They're people who have committed their lives to boxing. They did not choose to start boxing a couple years ago after not having as much success as your older brother on YouTube. So I, I, I'm confused about that check for $50 million. Who, who wrote that check and who was that for? Yeah, is that for Connor? cardboard? I don't, is that Connor to take the fight? You're going to pay Connor to beat you up for $50 million. That's what it sounded like. If that's what it is, then do please somebody do that. Somebody get Connor McGregor, give him that, getting that, getting that $50 million. And let him beat Jake Paul up. But see, Jake Paul's not stupid. So I suspect if Jake Paul thinks he could pay Connor $50 million, that what he could reap in from that is probably tenfold. But Connor and Jake Paul and Logan Paul, these guys have tapped into something that 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 a few people have understood over the years that no matter what it is. If you ever add a fight to it, and, no, you want to know what they've tapped into? He had his you, YouTube, his YouTube, they and tapped they in to WWE. They tapped into sports entertainment. He, there was a chance Nate Robinson hurt him. There okay. was a chance he got seriously injured, knocked out. Not that that doesn't happen once in a while in WWE, but not at the same rate. Let's be honest. These guys are putting themselves in real danger. Make no mistake about it. He fights Conor McGregor, like Joe said. He might be paying $50 million to get his ass kicked. And he's going to get the followers, and he's going to get the sales, and he's going to make the money off it. These guys have tapped into the fact that fighting is the most entertaining thing they can do. And they're entertainers. So they're doing the most entertaining thing they can do. Why, I, Why don't they step out of the ring and just become promoters? Because they're doing a nice job of getting the word out there about this wonderful sport that people forgot about 20 years ago. Why would they if Nate Robinson will fight him? Why would I, if I can get winnable fights and take all the glory and the money for myself, why would I? That's what I'm saying. There's no motivation for this. We're talking about supply and demand. There's no motivation to make Bud Crawford and Errol Spence the main event over Jake Paul and Conor McGregor. I know it should be. I know it's morally sound. I know it's best for the sport of boxing, but there's no motivation for the fighters to fight each other or to put those as we want entertaining. We want the money. We want the sales. We want the viewership. And Joe, if your kids are going to watch it because they know the Paul brothers and we're going to watch it because we know Mayweather, they're getting the best of both worlds. Everybody knows somebody in the fight and has a horse. Eventually, this kid's going to get hurt badly yeah, by somebody. And, I mean, I hope it happens sooner than later. But he's got a real flair for promoting fights. I just don't think he's got the right skill to be in the ring doing it. Promoters make the lion's share of the money anyway. Why doesn't this clown pull actual fights in? He seems like he's got that kind of leverage and he's got that kind of money. Do that. Well, and throw me... yourself on the undercard as a joke against some clown. Ronald McDonald would be fine. I would take that. Jake Paul and Ronald McDonald. Cut I'll take up. McDonald in the fight, too. Cut it up. Separate them. Make them different things. And make some rules. And you know how rules usually get made, Joe. I'm a salesman for mandatory work. We clean kitchen hoods in restaurants. It's mandatory work. You know why? Fire code. You know why we ended up with those fire codes? 
because people weren't getting their kitchen hood exhaust clean and had grease fires that burned down the whole complex. And we had to make rules and we had to check on those rules. And we had to be sure that every three months, some company comes in here and cleans this thing. It's mandatory. So when you say this kid's going to get himself hurt, maybe that's a necessary evil to get the rules made that we're talking about, to get this thing separated over into the sideshow that it is and get trainers training both of the sideshow guys so we don't end up with mismatches where people get hurt. That, yeah, might, I, be, that might be the means to the end. I, I said it last week. Thank you, Frank. And I'll, I'll say it again. I was talking about Logan Paul and Mayweather. I'll talk about it the same way with Jake Paul and Conor McGregor. The only way those fights aren't a complete and total disrespect to boxing and a black eye on the sport is if one of the Paul brothers dies in the ring. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, though. If he dies, he, he dies. dies. I, tell me I'm wrong though with that statement. No, I don't want anybody to die. See, no, but man. no, but if it, like a, anything else that happens, if if Logan that's Paul the level he should be outclassed, lands by. around. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I get it. But uh, all right, let's move on. That I hate. I hate talking about the Paul brothers and I don't want to do it anymore. This three weeks in a row. Let's move on. Starting with the who you got starting off with the starting off our throwing jabs awards for 2020 with the fight of the year for 2020. And me and Joe agree on this fight. I'm going to start off. Wei Lee's young Ooh. against Joanna. Young J check. Like, I mean, there was just no other fight. This was uh, on, like, watching the main event for this. This was the co-main event. Uh, it was Adesanya Romero, I believe. I was, I love Romero. I love Adesanya. But I'm just sitting there like, wow, like that last fight was so good. This fight sucks. I, I respected what they did in that fight, but this fight was just so good. It brought my distaste for the other fight. And no other fight. Yes, Figueredo and uh, Moreno, great fight. But damn, no one looked like this when, when they were done. And she and she kept she stood in the pocket despite her face being swollen to the point you couldn't recognize her. Even in the last couple seconds of the round, they were still in the box, still popping each other in the face. That to me, I watched that fight again last night just because as we were writing them, I'm like, I gotta relive that. It's incredible. Anybody who didn't see it, do yourself the favor. But that that to me was fight of the year. I also had uh, Figueredo uh, and Moreno, the, the draw there. I thought that was definitely a contender. Um, and then Fury Wilder is, is my is maybe my – I'm only going to take that because I know Jared's got one I also had on my list. But, I mean, again, we've been talking about that fight for, like, a long time. It was very impactful. So, yeah, all great fights. Yeah. If only Jacek hadn't kept getting ahead of herself. <laughs> um, I had Jose Zapata and Ivan Barachik because uh, this, I mean, eight knockdowns in five rounds concluded by Zapata's devastating knockout. This was every bit the the, the fight of the year for me. <clears throat> Not just because it's boxing, uh, be, because the UFC. I felt like this was so far and away. And the other fights were close, but I do have a side note that I would have taken the females if you'd forced UFC. I think the next three or four fights on my list would have been out of the UFC and not boxing. But number two, the number one UFC, you make me fight of the year UFC, it's Yen J Chicken Zay. That was yeah. That was badass, and it was uh, it was close to pick between those two, but eight knockdowns in a five rounds of a boxing match, man, I'll take that. It was on my short list. Yeah, yeah, great fight. 
I, I, I was researching fights. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that happened. That's definitely it. Like, that just stood out to me. But now let's talk about knockout of the year. I'm going to give you guys a spoiler alert. All of mine are UFC. Maybe it's because I have a sour taste for all the stuff that's going on with boxing and the ball brothers. But every single one of my awards is in UFC. And for me, at knockout of the year, there wasn't too, there wasn't a real flash. There were a couple flashy knockouts. But for me, I picked Sean O'Malley, right cross on Eddie Wineland. Now, for me, this is not necessarily knockout of the year. I'm going with this. It's more comeback of the year. Sean O'Malley been out, had long layoff, multiple um, – that was interesting – multiple um, suspensions due the to TikTok trace dance. amounts. Oh, I think he's got a fly or something. I thought he was doing a TikTok dance. It, it, this is like a – I don't know what this thing is. It's like a monster. Like a pterodactyl <laughs> flying at me. Bird in his own. But with, uh, with Sean O'Malley, he – he had all this time off due to trace amounts of uh, stuff coming back in his uh, reports, um, probably because he smokes a lot of weed. But uh, w- And it was nice. He's also got injured a lot, and it was nice to see him come in. Since he's been in the UFC, he hasn't had a knockout. Gets his first knockout. Gets the win. I just love to see it. Jared, what was your knockout of the year? Uh, Joaquin Buckley. That spinning back kick, man. Now, I saw a guy, I hope Rick doesn't mind me telling this story. I saw a guy in a bar once back in the day, and uh, he's getting ready to get in a fight. And when the other guy went like this, I went, uh, let's not. Like, as soon as he squared up, I tried to grab my buddy who pushed me away. Nah, nah, I got this. I got this. Um, <laughs> And just by the stance, I knew bad things that were about to happen. That Muay Thai, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. And he took his right heel and spun around in a circle and put it on... And my boy tucked under a pool table over in the corner. So it only lasted a second. It was really fast. But I remember the the thinking about a punch and a kick and the torque you can get when you're spinning backwards. And, th- and this was that kind of kick where he... The momentum that must have been on his foot by the time it got to this guy's face. And then to have him full foot here and out before he hits the ground. That that was the type of knockout you won't see. At the end of the decade, when we get to 2029 and we're doing the decade reviews, God willing. (laughs) This should be on that list too, because this was that kind of knockout. Is it my turn to pick? Yes, sir. All right. I I, I felt I had to pick Fury Wilder because it changed the entire sport. It changed people's careers. It's changed people's lives. It's something we've talked about extensively for the entire year. It and and I and I loved it. I loved it a lot. Uh if I was doing for style points, though, I would have taken Alexander Povetkin's sick left uppercut to Dylan White. Thank you. That was a great, great knockout. Style points. The actual knockout. The impact of the uh, Fury Wilder knockout. I just think, I just think, sent shockwaves through this sport uh, to the point where Wilder can't even believe it happened. You're bending the rules, though, Joe. A little bit. I want it to be the knockout. Again, if we're if we're going just on the actual punch, then then uh, Povetkin that 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 left uppercut yeah. was gold, uh, yeah. and and I actually watched it in slow mo a few nights ago, uh, and to watch Dylan White just slowly collapse to the floor uh, was just amazing. But as far as knockouts are concerned, I just think what what Fury uh, did I, it it just shook up the whole sport in a big big way. Can't An ignore honorable that. mention to a fighter I can't stand, uh, Tank Davis. Yeah. Over Santa Cruz. That was a hellacious-looking knockout. Yes, sir. But now, that's knockout. Now let's go female fighter of the year. And I, both you guys agreed. 
but I'm gonna go Whaley's young. She just broke out. She obviously had that fight of the she won the belt last year. She had that fantastic fight with Joanna Young Jacek. Um, she had another fight scheduled, and then Corona happened. But uh, I, I I love I I like her. This was really her breakout. This is more like the female breakout fighter of the year for me. She broke out. Now she is. She's shown that she is a top top of that division. And I don't think right now it does not look like anyone's really gunning and can take her take that belt from her right now. But Jared, who is your fight uh, female crazy. fighter of the year? Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, John. Okay, that's, that's uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I mean, for all the obvious reasons, a couple great wins this year. Um, beating uh, Kukugan and, and uh, Jennifer Maya. That was a pretty dominant win as well. I don't know that she's just the best female fighter. I mean, I, I looked at this and I thought fighter of the year. I, I might have to put her in that spot too, but I decided since you broke it down male-female, that I would give some respect to the dudes and I would throw one of them a bone. So I'll let you know who that is in a minute, but she's, she's great. I could just do nothing but watch Valentina Shevchenko fights. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm on board. Totally agree. Shevchenko. All right. Everything Joe just said. I even like watching her dance. I like watching her videos where she's shooting things. Shevchenko is so amazing. Yes, yeah, she is. She is very amazing. Well, and now, in one fight, I have trouble giving fighter of the year to somebody with one fight. Even two fights is like in a year. And you're the fighter of the yeah, year. Yeah, but this is 2020. Yeah. COVID happened this year. Yeah, well, and I'll take that one fight. That if one you're going to have one had. fight, that's the one yeah, to bring yeah. to the table yeah. for sure. I don't hate I don't hate Jace's pick, surprisingly. Um, like I do most of his picks on everything that we do, but I, <laughs> this one, I don't, I don't hate that. She's great. Uh, first, I believe first Chinese champion. Yes, sir. It uh, really you know. surprised me that he didn't have Anthony Joshua as the female fighter of the year <laughs> as the fight of the year. <laughs> All right. Well, I will tell you, we'll, we will talk fighter of the year. This Jerry is my Sanchez. fighter of the year. Valentina Shevchenko. She's my fighter of the year. She's the, like the NFL did has. Really? Yes, I Wait did. Like the NFL Wait. has the MVP and the offensive player of the year. We have female fighter and fighter of the year. Female fighter, Zong, fighter, Valentina Shevchenko. Now, I, wow. I know you guys agree on your fighter of the year as well. The reason why I did not was because. Valentina's undefeated this year. Two fights. While your guy had four, he lost one to the scale. Jared, who's your fight of the year? Uh, Figueredo. Figueredo. Because if we're picking somebody with one fight, I want the guy that beat Loma. I'll take Teofimo Lopez as the fighter of the year if you're taking somebody who's only got one fight. I want Figueredo. He had uh, two wins over the champ, and he's had two wins since then. Um, a draw where a judge robbed around from him, and he got taken a point on all three cards where he literally should have won by four. Um, yeah, yeah, give me that guy. Give me that guy with the extra fights. I'm going to say Figueredo, but if we're just picking guys who had one fight, then I'm taking Khabib. Oh yeah, okay. that's acceptable. That's fair. I mean, if we're doing that, and just to just to not agree with uh, with you completely, because I, I I thought, I mean, again, four fights in a year, uh, two of them a couple weeks apart. Fight of the year, uh, uh, fight a uh, fight of the year candidate uh, with a draw, lost at a point. I, I just think that this guy is the real deal, and I doubted him earlier on in the year. So yeah. he proved a lot to me. I'm totally on board. But again, if we're just going to pick somebody with one. Then I can't ignore Khabib. Khabib. Yeah. So, or Lopez, yeah. All good answers, though, for sure. Like, like I said, the only thing was it, that loss to the scale earlier this year for Figueredo for me. 
That's the only reason why I chose to go Shevchenko over Figueredo. Also, Joe, I'm surprised you didn't go your boy Izzy Adesanya. I don't know. You're on your list? I'm, a little, I'm a little down on him this year. Okay. I need to fight Marvin Vittori next year so we can figure this out once and for all, just if he is the greatest. I suspect he might be, but I need to see it. All right. Interesting. So if this were if we did this a couple weeks ago before that Vittori fight, would Adesanya have been on your list? Probably. Yeah. You know how I feel about it. He's great. Of course. Okay. I'm a I'm a what have you done for me lately kind of guy. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's get into fight previews. Starting off with the banger that we have. For a UFC fight night, starting off with the main event, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson takes on Jeff Neal. Both very solid strikers. Obviously, Wonderboy is uh, Wonderboy, the karate kid himself. Uh, so unique in his uh, striking ability, coming from that point karate background. Um, so such a weird matchup for everyone. Uh, I think Wonder Boy gets this done pretty handily and plays gatekeeper for a while. Yeah, I'll take that. I I agree. This he's turned into more. He's he's about at that point in his career where he'll turn into a gatekeeper. One of my favorite fighters. Yeah, coming up, Stephen Thompson. But uh, I gotta take him to win this fight. Probably not by much, and I think his best days are behind him as well. Um. Wonder Boy's two, three, and one over his last six bouts after the 13 and one start. Now, mind you, you got a close loss and a draw to Woodley, a one sided decision over Bodsvidal, narrow decision loss to Darren Till. Uh, won his last fight after having been knocked out in his for the first time in his career to Anthony Pettis, uh, in a fight where Pettis was uh, literally Gino getting Lido. dominated by Wonder Boy until Wonder Boy was knocked out cold. It was one of the worst until things I've Pettis ever seen. jumped off the cage. He didn't even jump off the cage. They all thought it was. It was literally just Superman punch. I love Wonder Boy a lot. He's 37. George Neal, uh, they call him hands of steel. He's 5-0 in the UFC, making him one of only two welterweights ever to start their career off with five straight wins, the other one being Usman. Now, Neil hasn't fought all year. He is a prolific knockout artist. Wonder Boy doesn't make a lot of mistakes. We've only ever seen Wonder Boy get knocked out one time. I don't know that it's going to be a clean knockout. I think this one ends up a TKO. I think Neil's going to prove to be too much for, for, for Stephen Thompson, and I hate to say that, uh, but I think Wonder Boy loses this one, and I think Neil's going to be a big player amongst the welterweights next year. Damn, interesting. All right. I love Wonder Boy. It, it was like a stab me in the heart to have to say this, but that's that's how I'm seeing it right now. I like the kid, Neil, huh? He, dude, he's like a phenom. I'm telling you, it, people don't know enough about him yet. This is going to be this is going to might be the this will put the fight be the fight that puts him on the map. Or or Wonder Boy will be the ultimate gatekeeper, and we'll forget about this guy by next year. But I don't know. I just have a bad feeling. Yeah, the thing with that, like, I'm not mad at that take, but the thing is, Wonder Boy's style is just so awkward. Like, it's hard for even for any young and upcomer to even try to attempt to crack that code that is this karate style. Who do you spar with in training? Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny. I I'll tell you what, guys. I literally watched uh, Wonder Boy's last six fights. I watched two interviews he did with him and Tyrone Woodley where they were going at it. And that was the one thing Wonder Boy pointed out. There's nobody you could bring into the gym to train for me. Yeah. And Woodley was like, dude, there's a dime a dozen guys that look like you, that act like you, that fight with you, that fight like you. He wasn't overly concerned about it. Um. I disagree with that uh, wholeheartedly, yeah. but he didn't seem particularly uh, overwhelmed by it. Yeah, but that's also Tyron Woodley with the belt. This is George Neal, young up and comer. I'm not like I said, I'm not mad at your take, but it's interesting. But the, besides just this main event, this card is stacked. You got Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera, 
Michael Perea versus Chaos Williams. That should be a great fight of the night. Uh, by the way, Chaos, his last two fights, 27 and 30 seconds. If he could do it under yeah. a minute, it'll be the uh, first person and, and only other uh, than Ronda Rousey to do three in a row. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that's, that's wild. But then also Marlon Marais and Rob Font. Uh, on the prelims, headliner Anthony Pettis versus Alex Moreno. And... I don't like to mention this, cause, but I should because it's a name. Greg Hardy's fighting Marcin Tabura. Look, look, Tabura could go 4-0 and this year. He'd be only the sixth heavyweight to win four in a calendar year. Damn. That's a, that's I, a, that's I, a, I wouldn't mind let's go. getting his butt kicked. Yes, that's sir, a legit, yes, that's a legit fight for Hardy, I'm telling you. This is like yes, a sir. real legit fight for him, and uh, I got my money on the other guy. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. Sir. But uh, that, that that's the fight night. Make sure you tune in tonight on ESPN Plus because that's going to be a good one. But now let's switch over to boxing. As on the zone, Canelo returns to action to take on Colum Smith. Um, I, you can read what's on the screen right now with the quotes and everything. It's for the vacant WBC Super Middleweight champ, Middleweight Championship. Um, I am from Mexican heritage, so I will. There's no fight at all. I will go against Canelo Alvarez. I'm taking Canelo here. Jared, you see it the same way? I just, I just have so much trouble with it. So the regular Super Middleweight <laughs> against the Super Super Middleweight for the vacant Super Middleweight. That's yeah. that's that sounds dumb. I don't think this is something people were clamoring for. If you pulled the fans for Canelo's next fight, um, I'll, I'd have voted Baturbiev. I'm not sure Callum Smith would have gotten five or ten percent of those votes. Um, I think it's a decent fight, but you're talking about um, a good fighter against a great fighter. You're talking about one of the elite pound for pound best. Versus like an upper echelon top shelf guy. Um, so I don't see it being close. I, I bet on Canelo. You know, the headlines talk of the six inch height and reach advantage revenge for his brother, Liam, who Canelo knocked out in 2016. But the reality is that Callum Smith, while being a champion, has never fought anybody even remotely close to somebody like Alvarez or, or at that level. He's 6'3", 27-0, 18 knockouts, but... Here's some names. George Groves, John Ryder, Rocky Felding, Hasin Nadal. Any of these names ringing a bell? Monsters. Uh, nothing Monsters. over British level. All these Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh, yeah. <there> you <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, look, people think the fact that Canelo, uh, 53 and 1, 36 knockouts, uh, took 11 rounds. It uh, shows that he, he, he doesn't uh, hit as hard uh, north of middleweight, uh, but you know, obviously Kovalev was a world-class light heavyweight champion who did all he could to keep uh, Canelo away and, until he finally put him out in the 11th. Uh, he knocked out 168-pound champion Rocky Felding. Uh, the difference between, I think, Smith's style and Kovalev's is that where Kovalev can box and stay weight, Smith likes to mix it up, uh, which will only speed up the result of what I think we all know is going to happen uh, but honestly, Alvarez needs to stop playing around, handle his business uh, with Triple G or the Charlos and 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 stop wasting our time with garbage fights While like this. Still can. While I mean, still- seriously, dude. Right. I mean, you don't you're not going to have a long career, man, to make the most of it. This is this is something I could care less to watch. I'm saying someday, 20 years from now, you're going to be fighting Logan Paul Jr. Yeah. On a Roy Jones undercard, and you're gonna be thinking, to yourself, "Man, <laughs> if I if I had just on the Roy there. Jones undercard." <laughs> oh damn! Oh, Roy Jones, the fourth undercard. Yep, there you go. Uh, I have a question for you though, Jared. With this fight, how much will Ring Rust pay, play a factor for Canelo? You think he will come out a little uh, lethargic in the first couple rounds? I don't think we have the opponent to show him that. 
This guy okay. better come out like Glenn Johnson versus Antonio, like Glenn Johnson versus Tarver, Tarver, Roy, and Roy. Four fights in a row, he came out and exploded for two rounds and then had enough to go the rest of the distance when he when he had to. Um, I think that's the game plan for Colum, uh, but I don't see the other guy being good enough to show us that ring rust. If this was a Usyk or a Baturbiev, yeah, yeah. I would I would be concerned for Canelo even if he didn't have any ring rust, but uh Callum Smith's not gonna bring that out of him. All right, all right. And that is going to do it for the preview of tonight's fights. Make sure you tune the check those out on ESPN plus and the zone. But we are going to end the show like we always do. And Jared, hit us with that flurry, brother. This is a four-part flurry. Hitting is touching too. Part one. A few weeks back, we thoroughly covered the importance of hugs. But how do we get the hugs to the people that don't want them? The people who either don't want to be touched or have no foundation for it. The people that never had anyone close enough or affectionate enough to be able to develop that ability so there's no foundation for human contact. And the most unfortunate part is the very human contact they are incapable of is one of the most essential parts of their growth and recovery. These lives are at risk. So how do we make contact with them? Hitting is touching too. Part two, when we rescued our dog, Vicky, we went to a class with a professional dog trainer. And while we were there, someone asked the dog trainer about hitting their dog. The trainer said it was one of the quickest ways for the dog to learn. But if we wanted our dog to do what we told it to do, and that was the most important thing to us, then hitting it was one of the quickest and easiest ways to get there. If you're willing to make that sacrifice, then hitting is one of the best teaching tools. The trainer went on to say that you would destroy any opportunity you had to build a close relationship with the dog. And that if you wanted a friend or a companion in the dog at all, then hitting was not one of the best teaching tools to use because dogs can't be made to understand what human beings can. That hitting is touching too. Sorry, guys. Part three, the first time I was at Joe's house was also the first time I yelled at him and the first time I saw him cry. His teenage daughter made a comment about how confident she was he was never going to leave. She said she knew she always had somebody she could turn to and count on when life got hard, to which Joe shrugged and said, that's just what parents do. Only that's not just what parents do, Joe. That's what great parents do. And unfortunately, we are in the minority. In a survey, children in America under the age of 13 were asked if they'd been abandoned by one or both of their parents. And two out of three said yes. One more time for the cheap seats. Two out of three children in America under the age of 13 said that one or both of their parents abandoned them. So no, Joe, it isn't just what parents do. In fact, research also suggests that children who grow up victims of physical abuse do significantly better long-term than children who grow up victims of abandonment. So even in its worst context, hitting is touching too. Part four, when I was seven years old, inpatient at a mental institution, they had just taken me out of the padded room and strapped me down to a bed. And I remember lying there crying and thinking to myself, I know they could be doing better for me than this. I knew there had to be a way to sidestep some of the trauma I was experiencing. So I made myself a promise that day. I promised myself I would build a better way. I would build a bridge and find a way to make contact with the people that are dealing with trauma without hitting them or restraining them or tying them down. And then I'd find a way to mass distribute that better way to people like me everywhere. Through Scrub Scraps, I've been able to keep the first part of that promise to myself. I built the bridge. Now we just have to get it to the rest of the world because Scrub Scraps is that better way. It has the ability to extract the teaching power of hitting without the negative side effects of destroying relationships and instilling lifelong fear. Even better, it does the opposite. Instead of fear, it instills confidence and self-esteem. 
We're combining one of the greatest teaching tools mankind has ever known to the only way that some people can learn and the only way some people can be touched. My experiences in its entirety is evidence that you can take my word for this. What we've created in Scrub Scraps is the only way to make contact with the particular demographic that I was once a part of and made a promise to. So if the Scrub Scraps program seems like a bit much to you, choose the disturbing truth over the comforting lies. Remember to cuddle the bear and remember hitting is touching too, because I intend to keep that promise I made to myself strapped to that bed in isolation all those years ago. I thoroughly understand the magnitude of facing traumas you've never been given the tools to overcome. And I've seen far too many people try to overcome those traumas with little to no chance of success. I've seen many die trying. My understanding of it all makes me feel an overwhelming sense of responsibility. I will make the better way. I will build the bridge. I will keep that promise to myself or like so many of them, I will die trying. Thank you guys. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Colby, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But speaking of those Lakers, but I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's gonna win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Crest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Thank you very much for that, Jared. Um, very, very powerful. Oh. Uh, I'm not a big emotional guy, but I was tearing up. This well, when he talked to me directly, I was absolutely uh, in tears. And I'll never forget that, Jared, uh, when you said that to me, you know, um, that you, you got to give yourself that kind of credit because, no, not everybody does it. In the case of my kids, uh, one of the parents did abandon those kids, literally, uh, in all senses of the word. Um uh, fast, I mean, you and I have had this conversation before. Um, I, I find it fascinating. I mean, again, the idea that dogs don't understand tough love also makes a lot of sense in the grand scheme of things. Because how could they know that? Mm. They're dogs. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I love that we talk about uh, this stuff, and and you know, it's sad to think that you're better to beat your kids than just leave your kids abandoned. Uh, that that would that literally would be a more positive effect. Uh, and I think just goes to show, you know, when we talk about the, the, the basic needs of life, um, how important companionship is and, and, and love and just having someone there to, to give a crap about you at the end of the well, day. And that, and that, that, man, that particular demographic I'm talking about, that doesn't really have the foundation for contact. You know, we talk about how important that contact is. And I'm willing to bet that we all know somebody who doesn't do hugs and I love yous in their house, who doesn't really have a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or significant other to speak of, who doesn't have a lot of friends, who doesn't have people reaching out to them, who doesn't know the growth and the importance of making contact with other people. And when I say this is the demographic that's most attracted to scrub scraps. I built it like this because I know what it takes to touch that demographic. Jared, I'm not going to lie. I, I was part of that. I'm part of that demographic. And the past year, like when I went to the hospital, coming out of the hospital, that's the one thing I've worked towards is making contact with people and that stuff, because I am part of that. My, my, my dad's not a part of my life, and I've struggled with all that stuff. And I, I thank you very much for bringing that to light, because that's something people definitely need to talk about more. Thank you, brother. Oh, it's nice to have a brotherhood. It's nice to have people that you can count on. It's, you know, I mean, I think it, Jared's brought this up a bunch of times, but at Clovercrest Media, man, you know, I mean, we love each other. There's a lot of love amongst these 30 some odd shows and, and, you know, 40 different podcasters. Um, 
you know, everybody a little different, doing it a little different, but always working together to help and, and push and promote and to just, you know, hey, there's always somebody there if you need somebody. And I and I think that's uh I think that's more than most people have. And and I don't know what more you could want. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Throwing jabs is a CMG Sports presentation brought to you by the CMG Sports Network. Like Joe just mentioned, 30 different podcasts. Go check them out. Um, that is going to do it for Throwing Jabs today. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out either one of the fights. Both are going to be good. But uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we hope to see you next time. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event.